Welcome to the Our Ability Podcast, July 30th, 2020. We're proud today to be talking about disability employment and a very real issue that's going on in New York State. The federal government in 2014 enacted Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act, which put some teeth into the American with Disabilities Act. And it said, in part, that if you have a federal contract or subcontract, if you're a business with a contract with the U.S. government, you need, you need to be working towards 7% of your workforce as individuals with disabilities. This was a wonderful opportunity. Businesses started to call us and asked us how they could get more individuals with disabilities within their workforce. Fast forward to today, in 2020, there is a task force that is looking at doing the same thing in New York State. And me personally, John Robinson, I fully endorse it. I believe that if businesses in New York State that have state contracts or subcontracts worked towards 7% of their workforce as individuals with disabilities, a few things would happen. One, we'd have more tax-paying citizens rather than tax-receiving citizens. Two, the education system in New York State would improve for individuals with disabilities because you'd be educating towards skills. And three, the dreams of individuals with disabilities who could see success in employment would want more job opportunities and would apply for more jobs. We're proud of this upcoming podcast, and we've got some special guests. This podcast is sponsored, as always, by Price Chopper Market 32 and Lowe's Home Improvement, two organizations that do employ individuals with disabilities. We're excited to be talking to some state leaders and very important people. I like using that term, very important people around (laughs) disability employment. We've talked a lot in our podcast around all things disability. And of course, uh, employment is essential. So today I'm I'm really excited to be talking about uh, a specific subject with disability employment with some some very cool people. Uh, Susan Shear, the Institute for Career Development. Susan, welcome. Thank you, John. I'm looking forward to this conversation. (laughs) As am I. And assembly member Harvey Epstein, easy for me to say, that's my grandfather's name. So you'd think I would be able to spit out Harvey well enough. Uh, Harvey, welcome. Oh, thank you, John. Thanks for having us here. Uh, disability. Nice to know we, we have a connection with your grandfather <laughs> on the name, too. As I was writing notes today, I was thinking about my grandfather. So it was nice to have a, a little bit of uh, remembrance. Um, disability employment is so very important. It's what we, we focus on with our ability and what is what is essential to the well-being and opportunity for individuals with disabilities. Susan, I could talk all day long about it, but I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to give the soapbox to you. Give me your perspective, and um, both from a professional standpoint and a personal standpoint, of how important disability employment is to New York State and its citizens. So glad you asked that, John. Like you, I could also talk for hours. And in fact, that's one of the very first things that I talked to Harvey uh, Epstein about when he took office as an assembly member. And he can tell you that I I, am very passionate on this subject. So let's start with the the statistics. 70% of people are not in the workforce. That is a shocking statistic. And if you picked up the New York Times tomorrow and there was a headline saying that 70% of women or 70% of any other group was not in the workforce, it would be a national 
scandal and there would be hearings held in Congress, maybe not at the current moment, but under normal circumstances, there would be hearings and studies and reports about how to address that gap. And for some reason, and I think we, we have some ideas of what that is and can talk about it, but this group, people with disabilities, are the one group that everybody seems to believe it's fine for them to remain out of the workforce and to live in, in, from, in many cases in abject poverty because of that, dependent on public benefits that are not generous at all, despite what people would lead you to believe, and doesn't allow people to fulfill the true promise of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, we're celebrating the 30th anniversary right now, and the ADA is about choice. It's about giving people with disabilities the same set of opportunities and choices that, other, that everyone else has. It's about human rights. And employment is key to being able to have those choices and options. You need financial self-sufficiency in order to be able to move out and live on your own, to be a consumer, to go to the theater, to travel, to live the full rich life that the ADA um, lays the groundwork for. The, you asked also about the connection on a personal level. I myself am a person with a disability. Um, I have spina bifida, which is a congenital defect. I was ambulatory for many years, but for the last 10, I've been using a wheelchair. I have been extremely fortunate in my career. I am um, in the rare group of people with disabilities that graduated from college. I went to Yale. I've had a professional career since the day I graduated but I have always been the only person with a visible disability anywhere that I have worked. So not only am I a person with a disability, I'm also a woman, and now I'm a woman of a certain age. Um, and Well, let me stop you there, I, Susan. Let me stop you there. Yeah. What is your job meant to you on a personal level? My current or, or all of my jobs? Any of them. Any, how, what, all of the jobs, what have they meant to you on a personal level? They've meant everything. I, I really and truly, my, so much of my identity comes from the work that I do. I've always been involved in public service, whether it's been in government I created Accessoride, the paratransit program in New York City. I was the deputy director of the mayor's office for people with disabilities. I've done policy work in transportation and housing and healthcare. I, I live for being able to help our community live a better, fuller life. I've been fortunate and I wanna make sure that this is not a matter of luck and that this basic rights are available to everyone else. I also have been able to influence people and meet people like Harvey who are not as aware maybe of some of the disability issues, elected officials and, and policymakers and thought leaders, 
that have helped them understand just my being there, just my being in the workplace makes them think differently about people with disabilities. The next time somebody comes in for a job interview, they still might turn white, the blood might still empty from their face for a second when they see the person come in, but I know that they think, oh, I know Susan and Susan was able to do this job. Let me give this person a chance. Let's see what they can do. That's huge. It is. Um, That's what it's all about. It also has given, it also has given me, you know, financial independence. I am married. I have a child. Um, I've been able to lead a, 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 you know, a good life. Um, that we is what we all should be able to do and what we all want. Amen. And that, and that's, I'm glad you got to it at the end. You're married, you have a child, you've lived, you're living a good life. That is what this is all about. You know, it's, um, like my disability isn't the only definition of me. My job isn't my only definition of me, but the job allows opportunity. So just full disclosure to everybody listening, we're doing this on Zoom. We're all busy. We're all outside or inside and phones are ringing. So this is, this is real life, folks. This is how uh, people with disabilities get along. Um, our, our, I, Susan, I let you speak because it's very important, but I also think we should let the good assembly members speak as well. Harvey Epstein from Assembly District Number 74. Um, Mr. Epstein, you represent individuals with disabilities and able-bodied people for your district. Um, Thank you for coming on. And would you please tell us a little bit about who you are and some of the constituents that you represent? Uh, Well, thank you, first of all, John, for having us here and for Susan for all your work on behalf of our community. Susan is a constituent of mine, and as well as a friend, and someone who I've gotten to know over the years. Uh, and and our obligation, or my obligation, is to to look at the world as we see it today, and how do we advance social, economic, and racial justice issues in the context of the world? And uh, I, we all have lived over the last four months of the COVID crisis. We've all seen the protests around Black Lives Matter and believe that the discrimination exists against uh, people of color, especially black and black men. But what we don't see is how uh, the disability community has been and potentially will continue to be decimated by the the third loss of the GDP and employment opportunities. The promise of the ADA 30 years ago was that we were going to create opportunities for people with disabilities all over the country. We were going to create opportunities by giving them physical access, but also access to employment, access to education, access to services across the board. And what we've seen is that we've failed to live up to those obligations day after day after day. And so every facet of the government has an obligation and responsibility to do something about it. And that's what we, you know, over the last year, we've come to terms with. But, you know, we, I'm on the task force of people with disabilities. And there's been a lot of focus on the task force around providing support for people with disabilities, which is really important. But support has to be more than just support of, you know, we want to make sure they have a home health care attendant. Support has to be, we want to make sure they have access to a job and a good paying job so they can get a housing that they can live in. They can live the independent lives that they need. They can move forward in a, in a really thoughtful, comprehensive way. And so that's what this coalition decided to do. We have a coalition that came together, a statewide effort to say, What's really important around employment issues? The 30% number that Susan references is, is atrocious. How can we live in a state, in a country, 
where 70% of the people who we sent to elementary, middle, high school, and probably college, who the government and all of us together spent millions of dollars to educate, had told them, at this point at 22 years old, we'd love you to sit on your couch and start collecting social security disability payments. You are an extremely productive member of society. You have so much to offer, whatever your disability is. You can do so much. And we're saying, no, thank you. Government saying, no, thank you. And government needs to do better. So how do we do that? We need to say, well, government, New York State, our budget $180 billion. And there's no oversight of like how many people in any agency has a disability. We have no idea how much of our contractors and how much of our procurement dollars are going to people with disabilities. We have no idea across this great state of what our commitment is to the disability community. And all we're saying is, hey, let's put a line in the sand now. Let's say, you know what? We actually care. We're going to assess where we are agency by agency. So I know, we'll know in the assembly how many people in the assembly are people with disabilities. And these are people who are, we're not going to force people to disclose it, but this is a voluntary disclosure. And then say, you know what? We should try to get to at least 7%. So maybe we're there. Maybe we're at 10%, but maybe we're at 1%. And then we should use our government dollars and leverage those dollars to ensure that people with disabilities are hired. The same way we use our government dollars to ensure that we hire NWBE contractors, we can do the same thing with disabilities. You know, and across the board, across the spectrum, you know, whether it's an IT contract or a construction contract, whatever it is, we can ensure that people with disabilities has equal access to our government resources or affirmed access to, to our government resources to ensure that our government dollars are using to advance our values. Today, we're not doing it, but I think we can. I, I you know, I've, I've got to say it is music to my ears to hear that. Um, you know, the state has uh, done a lot of work with, um, I want to be politically correct as I say this, with uh, people who have worked in workshops and products that are made in certain instances. And that's the only thought that we have towards employment. And we need to push the envelope a little bit. And so I've, I've been up in the halls in the state Capitol and asked for things and uh, got, gotten excited about it at times and, and been frustrated about it at times. Have asked to be included, have people with disabilities included as part of the, part of the minority category so that we can be inside MWBE contracts and been told that's never gonna happen. Um, mainly because my skin is white. Um, I've been told lots of things. But then this comes along, and when I'm, I'm not going to answer what this is, but I will start by saying that when Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act was enacted in 2014 by the federal government, our phone rang. Major Fortune 100 companies called us and said, help us get to the 7% that the federal government was asking on federal contracts and subcontracts. And it, for the first time in my life, I felt like there was traction. Okay, there's a new administration that is that has waned a little bit, but I believe in my heart of hearts that will come back under a different federal administration. But when I heard about this task force doing something very similar in New York, all of my worries in New York sort of shed a little bit. Not great, not all of them, but a little bit because if we can get to seven percent on state contracts or money that's given away by empire state development or 
inside specific state agencies, what a dramatic impact we can make. Susan, am I right in thinking about this? Am, am I right to be excited that this is a real possibility? Or do you want to talk me off the ledge and tell me I might be wrong? Oh, no, I'm not talking you off the ledge. I, I think if anything, you're being, um, you're being very measured and, and uh, reasonable about, about this. There are already people with disabilities working in state government and at contractors, and there's been no reason for them to self-identify at this point and may, may have been concerns about it. Creating the, an environment where there's visible support for people with disabilities is going to bring people out of the closet, so to speak. They're gonna feel comfortable coming forward. Their employers will realize that they've been employing people with disabilities all along and that they've done a great job and that they these fears that they may have about hiring someone with a disability are are not necessarily grounded in, in fact and are, are in fact fears. And we also will be able to talk about not just hiring people with disabilities at the entry level, but also advancing them. Because much of the conversation centers around getting people with disabilities in, in the door, and that's obviously important, but it's just a starting point. We need, we need to also think about an advancement strategy. How does that person become a supervisor, a manager, and move up the ladder to higher levels? It, it is so essential to have not so can, only- Can I just add one thing, John, to that? Absolutely. It, is, it, starts, at, it starts at the internship. We want those we, people with disabilities to have access to internships. And I think, by the way, uh, it, it impacted. I think it's that this is we're talking about something very different. You know, we're talking about really a targeted approach for people with disabilities, like we do a targeted approach with the NWBE. And the targeted approach would be, hey, with our assembly internship program, how many people with disabilities? Internships across the state. How many? In what agencies do we have interns with disabilities? How many people are you hiring? How many people you're promoting? How many people you're retaining? You know, let's really have that conversation. Right. Because if we really want to get there, we need to. Well, you know, I remember when I was younger and I got internships that helped me up with my career path. We need to start from the beginning and really commit to people along the way. Yeah, and that. So Can let I me let me let me that? jump let me jump in for one second. Um, you're a hundred percent right. Um, it needs to start with internships and it needs to start with visible opportunities and it needs to start at, at home so that I see that there's an opportunity for me down the road. But what is really exciting about this, we at our ability work with 50 businesses around New York state that want to employ individuals with disabilities. They're ready to go. They want to get going. And like everything, there's an 80, 20 rule. So 10 of the 50 are the ones that really are doing the, the regular hiring. But I can imagine a world that, um, where, if there's a 7% threshold on contracts or money spent by New York State, that 50 becomes 500. That 80-20 rule becomes 100, not, not 10. And 100 businesses employing hundreds of individuals with disabilities starting at the internship level will make that impact. And what it does, it, I, I've said this for, for 15 years doing this, the businesses we work with are ready to go. 
it's our community as much as anybody else and our parents and our caregivers and ourselves who do not see opportunity. When we see opportunity, we're going to push. We're going to make bigger dreams. We're going to achieve more and we're going to run. And if I see that I could get a job at SEFQ Credit Union or the Times Union Center because they have state contracts, because they hire individuals with disabilities, I'm going to do everything I can to do it. That's the world I see. Susan, am I right? John, that's exactly what I, that's exactly right. Um, just to echo on the internships. So ICD is a hundred year old organization that was founded in the wake of World War I to, we invented the field of rehabilitation for wounded World War I veterans. And we now serve people um, with disability, a wide variety of disabilities from all walks of life. And we provide them with education and training. And we have had the experience, first of all, we always put our students on internships. And when they're able to do them, they are so valuable. The, the employer learns about them. They pick up important, not only hard skills, but soft skills. And it's not unusual at all for them to be hired by the site where they're doing their internship. It's a little of try before you, before you buy. But I have the exact same perception and reality that you, you are describing. I absolutely think that there are companies at, of all sizes that are waiting on the sidelines. And with this kind of encouragement, they're going to jump in. They want to do the right thing. They're looking to do the right thing. And this is just the, the nudge that they will need to, to move the ball forward. Um, and you're also, I also concur with you about where some of the, some of the issues have been in our community. And that's because we have not seen very many people like you or like me in positions of working steadily. You know, it's, you, you can't be what you can't see. The whole issue of representation is very important. So this, this being visible, talking to kids when they're in middle school, in high school, so they can see people with disabilities are working, are married, are have, you know, own a home, that this is a possibility for this because many of their parents, as you say, they don't have a disability themselves. They are, they have the same biases and discrimination biases that, that anybody with has because of the society they've grown up in. And they want the best for their child, but they're also scared and they want to protect them. And in some cases, they're very worried about the person losing the benefits that they have, which may be not only helping that individual, but the whole family stay afloat. So we also, they need to know that when somebody with a disability gets the job, there's a real career path for them, yeah. that, it's, that there's, it's worth making that leap from living on $9,600 a year, which is what SSI pays, there's no job out there that isn't going to pay more than $9,600. And, and the difference will grow and grow exponentially over the years. But knowing that there's this legislation is creating a clear 
set of jobs that they can qualify for and move up in is exactly what they need to feel comfortable. So I want to be cognizant of time because I promised you all we'd be 30 minutes and, and we're getting over that. But before I let you both go, um, Harvey, tell me where this realistically stands inside the assembly and then across the hall from, from them. Um, wh- where are you? And, and not only where are you, but what can people listening around the state do today mm-hmm. to help this? So, uh, you know, John, honestly, we're in the early stages. Uh, my goal is twofold. One is to get a hearing on this issue of employment with people with disabilities. And two is to get co-sponsors. So if people can make the effort across the state to talk to their assembly member and senator and co-sponsor the legislation, that would be really helpful. Second is they could call on our leadership to have a hearing on employment issues with people with disabilities. We're in an employment crisis. We understand that COVID is destroying so much. But we've had a lot of questions around healthcare. We've had questions around higher ed and COVID. Why not people with disabilities in COVID? The more we can get this out to the public, the better we're, we're off. And that's really where we need to go. Pushing this issue forward would be really helpful for our, you all. And I just want to say thank you both for the time you've taken to, to advance this agenda for the decades of work. You know, this is not an overnight struggle. We're not going to win this over uh, in, in the next year, but we're going to fight and fight until we get this as a forefront of the issue in New York and say, this is a priority for all of us. Well, there, let me speak for myself. There are very few leaders um, in, in politics that stick up for individuals with disabilities like you do. I can think of a, barely a handful, so I can't thank you enough for that. If you're listening to our voices, please reach out to your assembly person or your state senator. Ask them to get involved in this. Reach out to the membership. Flood their email, flood their phones. Let's do this because we are in an employment crisis. And rather than tax receiving citizens, we want to be tax paying citizens and have real jobs and move forward. Harvey, Susan, thank you very much for your time and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, John, for all the, for this podcast, for the chance to speak about this and for all the great work. And thank you to Harvey, who, as you say, is, is a hero in our community. Well, thank you all and have a good uh, rest of the week. All right. You as well. Take care. Take care.